The story of a woman's right to vote in the United States actually begins in England, and not at an event about women's rights at all, but at an anti-slavery convention instead. This story begins with a humiliating no, and with a pivotal friendship born out of this shared, stinging, and all-too-familiar disappointment. The World Anti-Slavery Convention of 1840 gathered in London on June 12th, an unusually bright and sunny day. One month earlier, on May 11th, 24-year-old Elizabeth Cady Stanton had boarded a ship called the Montreal with her new husband, Henry Stanton, to make the 3,000-mile trip from New York to England, which would last 18 days. Henry was a full-time abolitionist, a powerful speaker and leader in the American movement to end slavery, as well as a delegate to this convention. Young Elizabeth was not a delegate and was still somewhat new to the abolitionist movement and its ideas. But she was smart and well-educated, especially for a woman at that time. A voracious reader, she spent much of that trip across the Atlantic, plowing through books on slavery and discussing the subject with her fellow passengers. Being the wife of a delegate, she said, we all felt it important that I should be able to answer whatever questions I might be asked— on all phases of the slavery question. Perhaps she studied slavery out of an obligation to her husband, but it was just as likely that she herself was deeply curious. After all, Stanton was, in some people's eyes, less than ladylike. Passengers aboard the Montreal certainly took note that she called her husband Henry and not Mr. Stanton, as was customary back then. Elizabeth was assertive. She had demanded that she and Henry be married by a minister who would not force her to pledge to obey her husband, as tradition dictated. She kept her maiden name, Katie, announcing her determination that theirs would be a marriage of equals. Even though Elizabeth wasn't a delegate to the convention, other American women were, seven in all. In the second half of the 1830s, Women had steadily grown more visible, and more vocal, in the American abolitionist movement. This didn't please everyone, and it led to major anti-slavery organizations splitting apart. Nevertheless, on June 12, 1840, male and female abolitionists together entered London's Freemasons Hall to officially represent the American movement. But only the men would be allowed to participate. This was hardly the first time Elizabeth Cady Stanton witnessed the disadvantages of being female. Born in 1815 in Johnstown, New York, Stanton was one of 11 children, but she would be one of only five, all women, to make it to adulthood. Elizabeth was 11 when her last brother, Eleazar, died. She would forever remember finding her father, Daniel Cady, sitting in the dark parlor, pale and immovable by the casket. Entering the room, she climbed up on his knee. He put his arms around her, but then sighed. Oh, my daughter, I wish you were a boy. However much this must have hurt to hear, 
Elizabeth pledged to somehow replace her brother, to be everything Eleazar no longer could be. Years later, she wrote, All that day and far into the night I pondered the problem of boyhood. I thought that the chief thing to be done in order to equal boys was to be learned and courageous. Elizabeth was already brave, and she would get a fine education, at least in terms of what was available to girls at this time. Despite demonstrating over and over that her mind was equal to that of even the brightest young man her age, she would not receive a true college education. Elizabeth steadily came to realize that her goal of equality would not be so simple. Time and again, she would encounter the endless restrictions placed against girls, to the point that she summed up her own girlhood with these words. Everything we like to do is a sin. I am so tired of that everlasting no, no, no. At school, at home, everywhere, it is no, no.